When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Welcome to a Friday morning edition of the Can't Wait podcast. Why are we coming to you on a Friday morning? Because the 2022 NFL schedule released Thursday night. We have a big show for you because when I just said that, I buried the lead. We'll break down the schedule, sure, but then we're going to be joined by Jets head coach Robert Sala, Tim McMaster, along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Dunn. Thanks for checking us out. Give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Um, this is cool, guys. We're going to have the the boss, the head coach, coming on the show. Um, kind of talk to him about what's going on in this offseason. Um, are you excited, Connor? I am, but I do want to point this out, though, because I am getting unmercifully ripped right now in the uh, the live chat over showing up late. And I just want the record to show that today Connor Hughes was 10 minutes early. 10 I minutes. Was early. I was I like was actually the... thinking yes. we got the time wrong because I no. was like, how is Connor 10 minutes early? I had to text you guys and say, hey. I'm here. Where is everybody? Because I logged into our little stream yard room and there is nobody here and there's no one. So I was on time. I was before Marissa. I was before Tim and Tim had a computer malfunction. And that is why we are starting a few minutes late. It is not because of Connor. Connor was on time for probably the first time in his entire life. Probably well, since he knows Robert Sala is going to be here today. Right. So he had to be on time. So <laughs> yeah. I would love to blame coming. this thing. I would love to blame the problem on uh, two factor authentic on authentication. Oh. Cause that is the, uh, I get, I got a new phone. That was not the problem this morning. The problem this morning was the computer, but I got a new phone last week. And if you're getting a new phone soon, let me just give a warning before you turn off the old phone, make sure you get everything set up on the new phone. I got everything transferred over, turned off the old phone. And then I go into an app and it says, I go into the YouTube app and it says, you need the Google app. Oh my go into God, your Google yes. app and get the code. I go into yep. I go Google app. It needs me to get the YouTube app to get the code. Uh -huh. And then I have this other app that needs Okta to get the code. But to get Okta, I need to log into Okta. So I need another code for that. It's a chicken and the egg thing. Uh -huh. And it's an absolute nightmare. And here's the kicker. Instagram. Oh my God. I it got that to the point you? where I sent an email to Instagram customer support. I can't get into my Instagram. I got to share pictures of the baby with the family. Can't get yeah. into the Instagram account. And this is what they send back guys. Thanks for contacting us before we can help. We need to confirm that this is actually your account. So please reply to this, reply to this message and attach a photo of yourself holding a handwritten copy of this code below. And then there's a code. <laughs> Make sure you send this photo in JPEG form with the picture. I mean, are, what year is it? Like, Did you I do need it? a handwritten. I haven't done it yet. No, Did you send I, I've actually enjoyed not being on social media for a little bit. We you need, need to send a, a photo. Of we need a copy of the selfie. Sign. 
Yes. Right. Yeah, with a middle finger in the background. That's I'll do amazing. it before the next episode, and I will. That's uh, We can share it on the. That's YouTube. wild. That is wild. I've seen like I've sold stuff on Facebook Marketplace. And I never really understood why people um stuff. I sold one thing on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> I've never I I never realized why people like put like I had an extra Brie got me a golf club for I uh new putter for Christmas. And so I was like, well, I have two other old putters that if I ever use these again, she's gonna divorce me. So I need to like, you know, sell the other two. So I didn't realize they kept putting like the picture with your name and your like the date to like make sure that they know it's not something you grabbed off Facebook, but this is like or on Google, but this is like a new level. I'm down for it. I'm 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 all team like no two factor authentication. Like we we split a a Hulu account like me and my brother in law, and he created this password that was like super encrypted and super like you know X Y Z two three four dash hyphen capital T lowercase T. And I'm looking, I was like, bro, no. I was like, I'm you know it's like I took it over. I was like, here's my email. Yeah, technically you guys. Can I now probably get into know my what Facebook. your password is. You Connor. absolutely know. You can get it on my Hulu if you want to get Lucy it on my Hulu. Lucy twenty twenty two or. <laughs> well, now I got to change that one. No, uh, it's uh, I was like I said, it's it was. I was like, dude, I was like, no, I, I don't. The two factor stuff pisses me off. I I have it turned on with like YouTube. Like anytime I go on YouTube, it makes me open up the Google app. Google makes me open up YouTube. Hey, it's dude, it's it's brutal. Drives me nuts. Drives me absolutely nuts. Just send me a text with the code. Like, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. That was the way it used to be. Me. Just send, or yeah, whatever. But don't make me open another app that I also need you to get into. It's yeah. All right, anyway, without further ado, <laughs> let's move on to the jet schedule. And then, as I said, Robert Sala coming up later in the show. Uh, the schedule is out for 2022. So let's go through it, Connor, and then we can kind of talk about the, uh, the different highlights, basically, of it. But uh, they open up. At home against the Ravens, September 11th. Uh, that is the C.J. Mosley game, I guess. First time C.J. will go mm -hmm. up against his old team. Uh, then maybe the biggest game on the schedule, at least yes. as far as this podcast is concerned. The Jets go to Cleveland for the Michael and Marissa Dunn game. Who will Marissa <laughs> root for in this game? I, I'm not sure. I, I need know. one of those house divided <laughs> shirts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that should be that should be fun. Um, I'm excited to see uh, Connor out here, and I, Tim, I think you should make the trip too. Yeah, we're cut. Um, we're cutting expenses now. I'm just gonna I'm gonna bunk with Michael. Yeah, maybe, go, we'll like, do, old, maybe we'll school, do a like, live like, pod. Stay away, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we finally get Michael on the pod. I keep saying that. Like you ban him from the room. I, I texted him finally. I was like, dude, I was like, just go in the background and say hi. Just wait. <laughs> just like Marissa will kill me. I was like, you yeah. got you got him beat down pretty good. He, he I swear, you and Bree are identical because okay, Bree's well, the same thing he would me. kill me if I hopped on one of his Zoom calls for. I will know, say so. that the game offensive plan line meeting, the, the offensive line game plan is probably a little <laughs> bit different than coming on the Can't Wait podcast. What do you mean? This is a very serious show. We're talking about Tim sending selfies to Instagram. Yeah, this is a very was... serious show, Connor. I mean, yeah. we can't mess with that. Yeah. We have only hard hitting news here, but. Yeah, that game should be should be fun. Um, I'm actually very excited. It's early in the year um, when it's still like, you know, the weather's not too bad and we can actually like maybe do something on Saturday. So when you come to visit. So, yeah, it should be good and should be a good game. Um, yeah, can't wait for that. All right. Then they keep it in Ohio. They return home, but the Bengals visit. Uh, then it's at the Steelers. First, the Dolphins at home at the Packers, which is a lot of fun. And we'll talk about uh, how much that means to Connor and his food rankings. Uh, then it's at the Broncos, Patriots home, Bills home, bye week, which is a pretty good spot for a bye week, week yeah. 10, uh, right in the middle of the season. Then it's back to New England to play the Patriots, Bears at home, at the Vikings, at the Bills versus the Lions. 
uh, versus the Jaguars at Seattle for the Jamal Adams game. And then finally at the Dolphins to round things out. I think it's fun that they're playing the NFC North. It's just a cool division, I think, to, to kind of lock in with with the Bears and the Vikings. And, and they also get the Broncos in there, the Packers. Um, so it's a cool schedule, Connor. Uh, let's dive into it. When I look at it, and we'll give our predictions kind of towards the end here. But when I look at it, they have to, it's survival first is the way I look at the schedule. Because when you look at that beginning, Ravens, Browns, Bengals, Steelers, Dolphins, Packers, Broncos, there's an easy path to like one and six in those first seven games. And then who knows, right? The wheels could come yeah. off. On the other hand, if you come out of that stretch three and four even. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then the rest of the way, I mean, then suddenly you can start thinking about being in contention for a wild card spot. Yeah. I mean, look, the, I think those first three games are the most challenging of, of this schedule. I mean, looking across, obviously the back-to-back on the road in green Bay on the road in, in Denver, that's going to be a tough one. You can close the season with some difficult games as well, but going one, two, three against three teams that in my opinion are all super bowl contenders, you know, the, the Baltimore Ravens went eight and nine last year. And, you know, that was a down year by Raven standards. I think it was Lamar Jackson missed five games. So you had the an MVP, a player that is that is unquestionably the best player on that Ravens team, missed five games and they still went eight and nine. I mean, if he plays all five of those games, they're probably winning at least two or three, and that team's in the playoffs. They might be winning the division. So the Baltimore Ravens, obviously, a a incredibly challenging opponent. They're better this year than they were last year. They got a healthy Lamar. The offense is good. The defense is good. They're incredibly well coached. Then you go week two against the Cleveland Browns. The one thing that you could always say about the Cleveland Browns, and Marissa, you might want to earmuffs this, is that aside from the unstoppable force that they have at, at the backup guard position on the offensive line, the one area that you could, in my opinion, say there's the weak spot, there's the Achilles heel. And and Marissa and I used to, I mean, we, I, we have the text receipts to go over this. We used to bicker about this all the time, was Baker Mayfield. Was that I, I just never saw... Baker Mayfield as a good quarterback. I didn't think he was a competent quarterback. And I think that the Browns two years ago when they went to the playoffs did that in spite of Baker Mayfield. And when they struggled in 2019 and 2021, they struggled because of Baker Mayfield. The issues with Cleveland were under center. You know, Baker Mayfield just was not what Dorsey imagined and what the Browns imagined when they made him the number one overall pick in the draft. Deshaun Watson, people forget just how unbelievable this guy is. I mean, Watson is just. I, I, I got to bring up the numbers, like where where I had because he he made the playoffs three consecutive years, or I'm sorry, he made the Pro Bowl three consecutive years, his final three years under center. And during that stretch, he threw for twelve thousand eight hundred forty yards, eighty five touchdowns, and twenty eight interceptions with a quarterback rating of one hundred four point seven. That's even more impressive considering the fact that he was able to do that for the Houston Texans, who stunk. So you now have a Browns team that was already had a very, very good offensive line, even better offensive line depth, a good receiving trio, arguably the greatest running back duo in the NFL, a top five defense. And now you take a quarterback who, when he is on, is a top five quarterback in the NFL and you add him to the mix. That team, if Deshaun Watson plays week two and is not suspended, that's going to be an incredibly difficult game for the Jets just because of how loaded they are. Then obviously you go to the Cincinnati Bengals in week three, who, you know, oh, oh ho hum, they were the they're the defending AFC champions and and kind of were actually were in that Super Bowl with a chance to win it. So that three game stretch there to start one, two, three, that's a difficult stretch weeks one through three, weeks four through six, weeks anywhere you want to put it in the schedule. If you want to go six, uh, 17, 18, 19 to close out the year, 16, 17, 18 to close out the year, this is a difficult three game stretch. This, the, the challenge of it 
is amplified even more considering the number of new faces the Jets have both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. I mean, you got Lakin Tomlinson, who's in there now. You got uh, a new running back in Brees Hall. You got a new wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. You've got Makai Becton back at right tackle when he hasn't played since week one. Defensive side of the ball, you flip it. There's just as many new faces. Clemson, Martin, uh, Johnson, the two corners, and Reed and Gardner, the safety in Whitehead. You got Joyner, who's back, but he hasn't played since week one. So the Jets have so many new faces that – the beginning portion of the season is going to be a lot about these guys learning to play together, learning to develop that chemistry, learning what makes each guy tick, building and then growing. If this was 10 years ago, it's a little bit easier for teams to start, you know, hit the ground running and, and start pretty quick because of the fact that you have amplified OTAs, you have two days in training camp, you've got an extra preseason game. So there's more time and more practice time there to be able to develop that chemistry. This new CBA has cut down on OTA. It has cut into training camp. It has eliminated a preseason game. So there is less time for teams to prepare and get ready for the regular season. So usually that first month of the regular season is teams learning to play together. If you're a team like the Bengals who are bringing a ton of guys back, the Buccaneers playing a lot of guys back, it, it favors the teams that are returning a large number of starters. It is a detriment to a team like the Jets who either have an, a, a significantly young team or a substantial number of new starters. So to not only be a, a kind of a step back to begin the year in terms of starting, you know, trying to develop this chemistry and build a team and learn to play together, you then have to start with this murderer's row of Ravens, Browns, Bengals to jump out of the gun. In my opinion, Tim, that sets up, I, I, str I mean, yeah, maybe the Jets steal one, but I find it hard. I, I see the Jets going loss, loss, loss to start the year, which yeah. then sets up a pivotal, pivotal week four game in Pittsburgh against the Steelers where the Jets absolutely would have to win that game. Yeah, that is huge. Now the beginning of the schedule is, is obviously tough, but the overall schedule strength, when you look at the numbers, middle of the pack, right? Uh, if you go by winning percentage last year, tied for 17th toughest. So it's front loaded, but there are winnable games later on. You mentioned it, that it's a team that's going to come together I mean, there's two ways to look at that. On one hand, maybe they don't win those games anyway, so might as well get them at the beginning of the season when everyone's kind of yeah. trying to figure things out. Or on the other hand, is when you're trying to figure things out, do you really want to get kicked in the teeth? Um, so no, I mean, it, well, that's that is the thing, though, man. Is like when you, when you look at like you you said it, like it is, it's really about just don't dig your own grave. You know what I right. mean? Like just just you can bleed, you can lick, you can leak oil. But you just got to stay alive during these first few. You got to steal a couple games. When I look at like the first nine games, I think the Steelers, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky under center, I think that's a very winnable game for the Jets. And I was, I was arguing yesterday with DJ about this because he's basically chalked that one. He's got, I think he's got the Jets starting the season like 0 and 9 or 1 and 8 or something. But um, I think that Steelers game is very winnable. I'm, I'm not a, I don't think the Steelers are all that good. I mean, their defense is nasty, but you really aren't anything if you don't have a quarterback. And I have seen enough of Mitch Trubisky to know that guy stinks. And I just don't believe in Kenny Pickett to say like that guy is going to, you know, I'll take, I'll take Zach Wilson who might struggle himself in his supporting cast over Kenny Pickett and what he would have with the Steelers defense aside. Like I genuinely do believe the Jets offense has some legitimate talent. The Jets have to win that game, but if they lose that one and then you go into the Dolphins, I think the Jets end up splitting with the Dolphins this year, but the Dolphins, yeah. I mean, if Tua takes that next step and Tua turns into the quarterback that I don't believe he is because I'm as down on Tua as I was Baker. But if he takes a turn, like like uh, if he becomes the player that the Dolphins hope that he is and, and, and a player that the Dolphins believe he is, which is why they didn't really pursue Deshaun Watson, that game looks awful hard. Then you go at Green Bay, at Denver. Those are tough games to play. New England's always been a, a challenging opponent for the Jets, obviously. And then the Buffalo Bills were one of the top two, three teams in the entire NFL. So 
when I look at this, I, I see, yeah, the first three games are the toughest stretch, but the first nine are just absolutely brutal and murderer's row where the Jets are going to need to come away with at least two or three wins here. Doesn't matter how they get them. If, they, if they're two and seven after this stretch, if they're if they're three and six after this stretch, that's fine. They just need mm-hmm. to find those two or three wins. Then it can make up ground after the bye, but they need to find those two or three wins. In my opinion, it's got to come against the Steelers. It's got to come against the Dolphins, and they're going to have to beat the Patriots at home at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, and Robert Sala's got to keep this team together through that tough part. I, I agree. I think the keys to the season maybe are splitting with the Dolphins, splitting with the Patriots. If you can do that, because you figure you're probably not beating the Bills. Although when you look at the schedule and uh, check out Connor's breakdown of the schedule on The Athletic, it's up right now as well. But must watch game, Connor, you have going into the bye week nine at home against the Bills as kind of yeah. like a premier game on the schedule. Yeah, and look, I mean, I don't think the Jets win it. I don't, but... Ever since Robert Sala took over as as this team's head coach, what he's preached is about closing the gap. He hasn't said playoffs. He's never going to say Super Bowl. He's never going to put that out there. He's never going to make a mandate. We have to make the playoffs this year, that kind of a thing. Although we'll see if that changes, you know, in in year three, you know, assuming everyone gets a year three. But the one thing that he has preached over and over and over again is – the need to close the gap between the Jets and the other teams, first in their division, then in the conference. The Bills are the cream of the crop. And the Bills wiped the absolute floor with the Jets last year. I think it was, what was, it was like 28 to something and then 45 to 17. I mean, they just absolutely demolished the Jets last year. The Jets are not the Buffalo Bills. The Jets aren't anywhere close to the Buffalo Bills. But you want to see them compete with Buffalo at home at MetLife Stadium before you're going into your buy. At that point, you've got eight weeks to come together. You've got eight weeks to gel. And it's not necessarily about beating Buffalo. It would be a hell of a feat if they did beat Buffalo. It's more about going into that game and playing well enough where you can say, you know what? We just went toe-to-toe with the Buffalo Bills. We went into the fourth quarter against the Buffalo Bills, and we were able to say, you know what? We get a stop and a touchdown, and we got this game. We get a stop and a touchdown, and then we have one more stop. We've got a chance to win this game. We get a stop and a field goal. You go into the fourth quarter, and it's a one-possession game. You go into the fourth quarter tied. Maybe you don't win it because, look, Josh Allen is a superstar. The Bills are loaded with superstars across the board. The Jets aren't yet. They have a bunch of players they believe has su- have superstar tendencies, but it's on the coaching staff and those players to develop because of the number of the, the amount of youth that's on the field for the Jets. But if they can go into Buffalo week nine, and this is that must-watch game because it will show if, look, on paper, the Jets look immensely improved. They're getting a ton of credit from everyone everywhere. You know, I, I said it before. I had, a, I had an NFC executive call me and say, oh, the Jets did a great draft, but it's all on paper. Jermaine Johnson, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner look great on paper. DJ Reed looks great on paper. Carl Lawson and, and Becton in the rebuilt line, it looks great on paper. Zach Wilson in year two looks great on paper, but it's paper. This is a chance against a premier, premier team to show that paper is reality and to take that paper and put it onto the field and compete against one of the best teams. You don't got to win, but you have to compete. You can't have another two or three touchdown loss to the Buffalo Bills. Go toe-to-toe with them in your stadium. MetLife will be rocking, hopefully and put together a really good performance and, and make it a, a statement that maybe the Jets aren't here this year. Maybe they haven't arrived, but they're coming. Make the statement that you're coming and that the Bills are going to have to start fighting for that AFC East crown. The way the season shakes out this year in the NFL, it's kind of cool. There's uh, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, fall on Sundays. New Year's Day is that Seahawks game. That'll be a lot of fun uh, at Seattle. It'll be interesting if the Jets have a better record than the Seahawks, who are kind of in rebuild mode. Um, the kind of you know, comments it could be a Geno revenge out. game, man. That could be Geno. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, but I, I just want to hear Jamal Adams' like comments during the week if 
going into that week, Jets the Jets have them. a better record than Seattle. Oh my It'll be God, if the Jets beat them. I won't be in the I won't be at the Jets. Uh, I won't be in the Jets locker room if that's the case. I'll be sitting outside right. Jamal's waiting for him. If that's, I just would want to hear it and see it. <laughs> like you, you kicked uh, and screamed about you know all they they play music in the locker room before games and oh my goodness like you know the Jets suck and Adam Gase is terrible and Joe Douglas is awful and they won't pay me. I need to get out of here. It's toxic. I'm depressed. I'm crying every single day. I had to turn off my phone and not go on social media because I couldn't handle playing for the Jets. And now two years later, the Jets come into your building and your team led by Geno Smith loses to the Jets. Oh my goodness. That would be, that would be wild. Just absolutely wild. I'm sure Jamal would laugh all the way to the bank, but I mean, it would just be wild. One primetime game. It's Thursday night for the second straight year. Uh, This one shapes up to be a little better than last year's Thursday night debacle that the Jets had against the Colts. Uh, They're home against the Jaguars. So that'll be, you know, that's that fun game where it's Trevor versus versus, um, Wilson. And and we'll see how that one goes. The one other thing I want to get to here, though, anybody who follows this podcast knows about the press box food power (laughs) rankings. And I think you're at 29 stadiums right now. About that, yeah. And you look at the schedule, you've never been to Lambeau for the regular season, so yeah. that's one. And I think you've never, well, you've never been to the new Viking Stadium, right? No, I don't know or old. To, to, new or old. old. So that's two. Yeah, that's a cool Seattle. place. I went there yeah, last year. Yeah, three more. Very cool. So that's it. So you'll be at 32. No, 27 okay. or 27. I'm still, I'm still missing like Dallas. Like I don't, I've never been to Dallas oh, before okay. yet. Okay, I got you. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, so the, the big ones are going to be Seattle's a new one. Minnesota's a new one and then ranking Green Bay um and ho- yeah and ranking Green Bay for a regular season because when we went there last year they were still on covid so it was like the box food and all that stuff which right. is like not real like normal a normal spread like that's not a normal press box spread so I'm excited to see Green Bay very very excited to be at Minnesota cuz here ever since they redid that that is insane it's beautiful and then it's, also Seattle. their introduction is so cool yeah. and they do the skull chant and they have snowfall from the top of the dome it's very cool Really cool atmosphere. Yes. Should have just not put a roof on it. Then you yeah, then it would have real yeah. snow. I, I yeah, think I, I the Let other one clarify. I've been to. Um, I haven't seen. Uh, I, Dallas is one that I know off the top of my head. I've been to New Vegas, obviously, which is kind yeah. of insane. Oh, right. I think that's next year the Jets go. Um, and then uh, Rams. I haven't been to uh, either. I'd like St. Louis or SoFi. Uh, it was going to be a lot closer. The COVID year really hurt because that was like the COVID year, like really completely rid the stress uh, road schedule that literally Andy and I joke about this all the time. Vasquez, who works over the record that when I got hired full time on the Jets beat for the ledger in 16, he and I were like literally pointing towards the 2020 schedules. Like, oh, my God, if we can just not get fired before then, look at this, because it was like <laughs> Kansas City, Seattle la la like it was going to be insane and the jets like gase told me this like the jets are going to spend the whole week in la too like over there so i was going to play so much golf but uh you know national pandemic <laughs> we're going to work kinda... so much <laughs> yeah. i was going to be working very hard <laughs> all right connor final thing um let's let's do some records so when i look at this i came up with seven and ten as the record i have them starting zero and three as we talked about but then winning beating steelers beating the dolphins losing to the Packers, losing to the Broncos, beating the Patriots, losing to the Bills to into the bye. So going into the bye at three and six and then coming out and really having a nice run, losing that game at New England, but then beating the Bears, beating the Vikings in Minnesota, losing to the Bills, beating the Lions, beating the Jags. And then I actually have them losing their last two games. I have them losing in Seattle um, to get to seven and ten. I think you're actually a little more optimistic than I am. Yeah, so I, I am I'm a game. I, I've I'm being a game better. I've got him at eight and nine. 
Um, that first three game stretch is brutal. Like, I, I mean, if again, this is all contingent on assuming Deshaun Watson plays. If, if Deshaun Watson doesn't play, and, and I assume the Browns aren't going to create the circus that that would uh, be involved in, in them keeping Baker Mayfield as, as Deshaun's backup, which would be freaking wild. But um, I have them losing to the Ravens, Browns, and Bengals to start the year. Uh, but then I actually have them bouncing back in a big way the next two weeks against the Steelers and Dolphins. I mean, I do genuinely believe in this coaching staff. I think the coaching staff is solid. I think Zach Wilson's going to take a next step. I just don't know how much of a next step he's going to take, but I think he'll be better. I think the defense is going to be so much better than it used to be. And because it's so much better than what it used to be, it's going to keep the Jets in games. And the Jets have talent on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, the offensive line, assuming Becton and Fant hold up, has the chance to be pretty, pretty damn good. The receivers are really, really good. The the running back one-two duo, I think, is great. And then the tight end combination as well has a lot of talent there. So I think the Jets are going to be able to do something here. They're just not on the same level right now as the Ravens, Browns, and Bengals, especially to open the year. But they can bounce back. They can beat the Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky-led Steelers. I think they can beat the Dolphins because I just do not believe in Tua. And until I see something to make me believe in Tua, that isn't him throwing ridiculous passes that Ashton Davis manages to pick off. I'm done with that. Um, Packers and Broncos, I have them losing too. Those are two very, very difficult games, uh, especially on the road. So that's going to put the Jets into their bye at three and six, which is kind of that pretty number. We've talked about this, Tim. The back half of their schedule is so much easier. Now, I do have them losing to the Patriots in New England out of the bye, but then I have them coming back with victories over the Bears and Vikings. I think the Bears are absolutely got awful. I don't think the Vikings are that scary either. I mean, I think that Mike Zimmer got ripped a little bit more than what he should have been. I I, I don't like Kirk Cousins at all. And who knows if Minnesota is going to be thinking about moving on at that point in time. So I have them beating the Bears and Vikings. The Bills are still far too much for the Jets to deal with. So give them another loss there. Uh, then I have them winning three straight against the Lions, Jaguars, and Seahawks. Uh, that may just be because I so want to see the Jets beat the Seahawks. I just, <laughs> I, I need, I need to see that that press conference. I need to see the Jamal Adams press conference. Like I need that more, more than anything in the world. Uh, so I have them beating the Lions, Jaguars, and Seahawks, and then I have them losing the finale to the Dolphins to get to eight and nine. Now the two, now the a couple games here that I could see easily flip, uh, especially if Zach Wilson struggles and he doesn't take a second year jump. I could see the Vikings being a flip. I could see the Dolphins being a flip. I could see the Jaguars being a flip because I've said this before when the Jets, before the Jets actually hired Robert Sala, I think that Doug Peterson's a really good coach. I do. And, and I just, I don't know. I, I liked him in Philadelphia. I liked what he did. I think he got a really raw hand with a really bad roster and, and Carson Wentz just, I mean, taking an, an insane like spiral out of control into, into just dysfunction. Uh, but I think he's a really good coach. I think he can provide some stability to that Jaguars organization. And whenever you spend like they do in free agency, you generally see that uptick and you see that jump. Um, so I, I think the Jaguars could be a little bit tougher of an opponent than you think. But I definitely think they beat the Lions and the Seahawks. So uh, I have them at eight and nine, and I could see them easily having six wins, or I could see them going as high as nine wins. But I think anywhere from six to nine uh, wins is that's not a joke. Uh, anywhere from six to six to eight wins, I'm going to stick with. Um, is probably where their their uh, their pretty spot is. Yeah, and I mean, if they, I think seven and ten is enough that hey, we we kind of took a step forward. Yeah, you just can't go three, in, four, five wins. You can't right. have three to five wins. You can't, and they have to be in the in the losses, right? You can't get mm -hmm. blown out. And then, I mean, if they are like you said, if they're eight and eight going into weeks eighteen, you would think like they're maybe in the hunt for the wild card at eight and eight. And if you win, you get in type of thing. So yeah. like they don't win that game, maybe at Miami, but, but then like things, if that is the case, we will all end the season feeling like we're heading yeah. in the right direction. 100%. Um, and I think that's what Jets fans want out of this season is to know at the end of 2022, that the future is, is definitely bright. Um, and I think yeah. we'll all be in a good place. All right.
Well, we have teased it enough. Let's get to it. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We, When we come back, Robert Sala joins the show. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to the Can't Wait Podcast. Tim McMaster is taking a little bit of a break here, but that's okay. So we've got a uh, another co-host stepping in for him. It's Robert Sala, coach of the Jets. Uh, Robert, thanks for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. No, pleasure's all mine, bro. All right, so uh, so first off, man, we kind of have this thing uh, that happens pretty much every single podcast, which before we actually start it, we talk about everything but the Jets and football, and, and then we like to get ripped in the comment section for it. So uh, one of my, obviously, cruxes and, and one of the things is my guilty pleasure, obviously, is golf, and I know that's probably the same for you. So you had quite the day not too long ago with the sub-80 at uh, Bedminster, so I just wanted you to take me through the uh, the round and brag a little bit because I know when you told me you did that, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like that had to be a, a round for the uh, one, one, a ball that's going to be head, uh, held up on the uh, desk behind you for a little bit. No, you know what? Every once in a while, the stars align and putting's good, chipping's good, drivers hitting the fairway, but um, they're far and few in between. But uh, no, it's I'm like you, golf is a crutch. Uh, it's a good getaway. It's a good place to just kind of clear your head. But um, no, I, I, uh, almost almost borderline. It's, it's a hobby, right? So it's almost yeah. borderline. Uh, addictive but um but yeah no whenever whenever you're stroking and you're hitting you know the feeling shoot oh yeah you ever break 80 i have yeah i've done it i've done it twice now and uh it's it's one of those where like whenever it's it's like you said it's the stars align it's like and it's usually one of those things where it starts to happen in my opinion when you don't expect it to happen and and you start hitting the ball and all of a sudden it's like you know you put a couple good holes together like oh there's a birdie there there's a par there you know i haven't really done that in a while and you just kind of keep relaxed and you keep going and then it's when you make the turn and you're like huh that was a pretty good front nine. And then when it continues through 10, 11, 12, where it's like, all right, it wasn't just a good front nine. And then it's just about focusing, lock in, and, uh, and obviously don't let it, don't let it break from there. So, so during the pandemic at, uh, when I was in, uh, San Francisco, uh, you could only take, uh, one person with you, you know, all these rules. Yeah. So I, I took two of my kids and, yeah. um, just, it was, we took turns. So one night would be, so Adam, the next night would be saying it was, all the way through and that was kind of one way for me to get a uh, little release out get out of the house to get them out of the house then we'd only play nine and um so i had uh adam and zane with me and uh, my two oldest and uh, we're going around golf and we're and i'm hitting with them and after nine holes i I'd shot a 34 i was like yeah. <laughs> dude i was like guys i know we said nine but i want to see how this keeps going yep and ended up shooting a 69, which is my best round there. Um, but like you said, you never, you're just going out there to mess around with the kids. And yeah. next thing you know, you're, you're having the best round of your life. So <laughs> that was me, man. I, I, I had a, a, a we had a, a house showing that we were going to go look at. And then I had lunch with Bree scheduled. And it was around uh, when I was one over, I was one under through seven. And that's when I texted Bree and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to be honest with you. We're going to have to push lunch back a little bit. I got to see how long this one's going to go. Yes, I understand. Um, yes, I understand. <laughs> so uh so obviously man now to transition out of golf a little bit and straight into uh to football um i've covered this team for a while you know i think it was my first year was in in 2014 and i don't necessarily know if i've seen 
universal praise heaped upon an organization like this team has had since this draft you know and and it's one thing you know when you get the talking heads that, that talk about it it's one thing when the media does it you know that that's not too uncommon fans obviously are gonna are gonna buy into the draft but it's it's throughout the league i mean you and i talked about this i had somebody reach out to me uh personnel director for an nfc team randomly right after the draft that just kind of said hey your guys over there with the jets are doing something pretty good so when you were going through this draft, when when you guys were turning in the cards, obviously you're happy with Sauce. You kind of thought that he might be able to get there. You can kind of predict those top 10 at least a little bit to figure out who you're going to get. But was there a point where you turned in a draft card, whether it was Ruckert or whether it was Clemens or whether it was when you were able to trade up and get Johnson or Hall? Was there a player that after you turned in that draft card and you looked over at your board and you saw the number of players you'd acquired that you kind of thought, wow. You know that that the 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 significance of this draft stood out to you guys. No, you uh, you, you already hit it. Like um, we knew we were end up with Sauce. He was always the one. Um, and then uh, Garrett Wilson, we thought there was a chance he could end up in Atlanta. Uh, they took Drake London. He was our number one receiver. Obviously, I think that's pretty well documented. The the Jermaine Johnson one. If Garrett Wilson had gotten taken, we've mm-hmm. talked talked about it. He was in serious consideration for that 10 spot. And, um, you know, when he started sliding down the board and, you know, people wonder why someone like him slides. Well, when you, when you get to the latter half of the first round, those teams usually don't need pass rush. They already have it. And, um, and so if you look at it, there weren't pass rushers taken, um, uh, up until him. And, uh, so, um, Joe was working relentlessly on the phone to, to try to move up starting at 15. And, uh, we finally, finally got in at 26 and, that was the one after day one where you're like, man, I, I can't believe we got three of our top ten guys, and uh, that's that's and it, you know for for a small cost, and um, and then the next morning, you know, just having discussions with the offense, defense, and what direction we could go. We addressed corner, we addressed pass rush, we did some really good things in free agency, and we talked about adding home run hitters and playmakers, and uh, um, there was discussion on for the offensive side of the ball, and. Uh, um, Brees Hall was a guy that we felt was a home run hitter to match with the rest of the group. When you talk about T. Cole and Michael Carter and, and Ty Johnson, like it's, uh, and P. Ryan looks fantastic right now too. And so it's, it's a pretty good, it's a really good backfield that we've got a very versatile backfield, very explosive and, um, adding him to the mix. So, uh, was awesome. And then, you know, Rucker, the uh, same thing. It's, you know, we're, we're looking at our board and we're like, man, Rucker's still on the board. Yeah. So it, it felt it felt good. It um, you know you got it takes a little bit of luck, takes a little bit of timing, um, but uh, at the end of it all, end of all of it, I uh, felt really good with it. You uh, you've been doing this enough now, where you kind of know that, that during the draft, there's always a curveball or two that, that's kind of thrown your way, and and maybe one that you don't necessarily see coming. You know, the the player that's drafted at some point, where you're like, wow, I didn't I didn't see him going that high, or I didn't see him going there, I didn't see him going here. Was there one that, that stood out to you in this year's draft or, or, or did it kind of shake out the way you wanted or really was the surprise that you guys were able to get Jermaine when you did? No, it, that, that was the one. It's like, like I said, you could predict the top 10. Uh, we, we knew that Garrett had a chance to be there, a good chance to be there. It was just having the clear Atlanta. Um, but uh, otherwise, the, the board fell the way, the way we thought, which is a testament to, to Joe and his staff and mm-hmm. their ability to predict and the models they use. Um, the Jermaine Johnson one was a little bit of a surprise. I think it was a surprise for everyone, but then everyone's like, well, why did he slip? Well, it, you know, it's one, your flavor Two, It's, I, I really believe that when you look at those teams who were selecting, they, they didn't need pass rush. 
and yeah. uh, they had other needs. And um, so that that's where we get lucky. You know, we he he cleared a spot at 15 where, like I said, teams that are in the playoffs usually don't lack. They they, they have all that already. They're they're mm-hmm. looking for that extra piece that can work right now, whether it's a, uh, um, a receiver, uh, uh, a DB, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, so to be able to get him at 26 was, was a bit of a surprise. I remember talking to you um, after last year's draft and, and obviously Zach stole all the headlines, but I was kind of curious if there was a player who stood out to you that that wasn't the quarterback. It was kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing this kid on the field. I'm really excited to have this kid. And the guy you had said was Mike Carter. And and it was kind of like, oh, that's pretty interesting because I remember reading some draft profiles about the kid. And a lot of people had said, oh, you know, priority undrafted free agent, seventh round. And then you guys get him. It's like, oh, it seems like the Jets reach. We see him on the field. And obviously that's that's not the case. He seems like a pretty damn good football player. Is there one of those guys in this year's class? Is there somebody in this year's class that you're like, you know what? Aside from Sauce, obviously, who everyone's going to talk about. Aside from Garrett, who everyone's going to talk about. Is there another guy you guys drafted where you're like, you know what? I think he's gonna he's gonna turn some heads when when people see him on the field. Something that maybe not enough people are talking about. No, you know what? Um, I, I think the top four picks are getting a lot of uh, a lot of publicity. Rucker is kind of getting some in there. Uh, you know, we our, our seven picks were all in the first four rounds, which is pretty significant. You know, when you mm-hmm. well in the grand scheme of things. But uh, um, you know, if I was to look at it. Um, you know the the and I know he's already getting a lot of fanfare. I don't want to put any more on him, but I, I am excited to see Michael Michael Clemens. Uh, yeah. And maybe not so much during OTAs, but once we get pads on and uh, and he's he's had a chance with OTAs to get his feet underneath him. And um, and it's not even just from a fat pass rush standpoint and and all that. I'm just I'm just looking forward to the physicality that he's going to going to bring and and the violence and the, the level of competition he's going to he's going to bring to this group and. Uh, um, just from a draft standpoint, I'm also excited about Rucker, you know, because yeah. we we use our tight ends uh, differently. And, and again, I've said it before; it's not because Ohio State didn't use them properly. It's Ohio State has a lot of a lot of superstars. Yeah. Just in this offense, the the tight end gets kind of is focused. So to to watch him pull from CJ, pull from Wesco, pull from uh, Conklin uh, to kind of for, uh, shape himself, it's going to be fun to watch him grow. Yeah. If there's one criticism that I think I've I've read about your guys' draft, and it's it's really not even too much of a criticism, it's just the, the analytics crowd and and some of the people that look at value and, and where you're supposed to take players and where you're not, and they see you trade up for a running back in the second. What about Brees impressed you guys to the point where you were like, you know what, yeah, people say you shouldn't take a running back this high. People say you should wait on a running back. Screw that. I mean, we need to get this kid in the building. Yeah, he's uh, he's a home run hitter. You know, he's uh, uh, he can take the ball eighty, and it's you know the the NFL. It, it is very hard. I, I don't know if there's um, I'm sure there is analytical data. There, there is a, there, there's data for everything, right? But uh, ten play drives are hard to sustain, not only for for the course of a game, let alone a season. And if you're you're an offense that can't hit big strikes and you can't hit home runs and you can't and you're living on singles and doubles, it might work in baseball. Uh, and you can play small ball. You can't play small ball in the NFL. It's You have to have explosive plays. You have to eliminate explosives on defense. And uh, if you if you don't have explosive players, then you've got to be, you've got to try to play small ball. And if you do, you're, you're I promise you, you're not, you're, you're, you're not yeah. winning a lot of football games. And um, so what it costs a fifth round pick 
you know, and it's, yes, I get it, value, all that, all that stuff is cool, but um, I don't think you can quantify uh, or even, uh, uh, I don't know how it gets computed, but yeah. uh, to, to add a home run hitter to your group is, is significant. A lot was made last year about your guys' defensive struggles, and and I know you're you're gonna respond, you're gonna want to respond to this with you know we got to coach them that that they're young that we got to take time we got to develop these guys. But when you look at the players that are at your disposal, you know kind of the, the tools now they're in that toolbox. Do you think that this is about as complete of a unit as as you can have as you can want? Like now, obviously, I know you're gonna want a Bosa, I know you're gonna want another Sherman, I know you you're you're never gonna be satisfied. But when you look at what you now have to work with as a as a defensive minded head coach with a defensive staff with Jeff, um, are you guys about as as complete as you want to be on that side of the ball? Is is this a, a substantial step forward from from where you guys were last year when you take into consideration the players who are now going into year two and developing? But also those those you've added this offseason to free agency in the draft. Well, for sure, we we've got to find a way to make sure uh, the I've always I've always looked at football in, in three phases. The first first half of the game is your scheme, players feeling one another out in terms of you know how am I getting double teamed? What are these scoop blocks? What do these releases look like? What do these formations look like? Um, you're listening to their communication and how they do things. At halftime, you're making the adjustments. Players are making adjustments. Coaches are making their adjustments with how they're calling plays. Uh, you enter the third quarter and you're working off of adjustments. Fourth quarter comes along and everything's been laid out on, on the table. You've, uh, if I'm a DB, I've seen all your releases, I've seen the formations, I've, I, I know how your, your, I felt your all your stems. Like I, I know, I, I know the communication, I know the signal, I know it all. Um, there are no more things uh, that you can do. Everything's been played, so it's playmaker time. Fourth quarter is playmaker time. That's um and so when you look at our team we're a very very young team and i know that there's going to be a playmaker that grows out of this group yeah um who is it i don't i don't know yet there's a lot of candidates so and we're all very excited about it but until that person establishes themselves as that fourth quarter we don't know who it could be it could be anybody and uh so to answer your question health is going to be a big issue uh big yeah. deal if we can stay healthy last year we were just decimated with injury we, you know, the first half of the year, we were a, a top 10 defense for the first half of the year before the bye week. Yeah. Um, we we're all pretty excited about our, our defense going into uh, after that Tennessee game. And then we lose Huff, we lose CJ for a game. We, and then we have that four game, that four game stretch where we just did not play good defense at all, um, except for the Cincinnati game. And then we kind of leveled off 10 different safeties. So health is going to be a big, big thing. We do feel like uh, we've got a really good unit. It's a very young unit, and it's a unit that I'm really excited to see grow. Uh, I'd love to see Quinnen take another step. I'd love to see Carl get back healthy. I'd love to see uh, JFM take another step. Uh, CJ having a healthy year. I'd love to see Quincy with a, a year of OTAs in the same system, training camp, and then hit the mm -hmm. season rather than showing up right before the season. I'd love to see continuity in the safety room. Yeah. Uh, the corners, you know, you can go through all of it. There's a bunch of new faces. And it's going to be really exciting to see who steps up to be that dude that's in the fourth quarter that says, hey, I hope everyone had fun watching this game, but I'm about to take this thing over and we're putting this thing yeah. in the back. And that's offensively, defensively, uh, really looking forward to seeing which young guy uh, uh, develops into being that person. How much would a uh, an addition of a, a linebacker who may or may not na be named Quan and a, uh, a defensive lineman who may or not be named Larry uh, make a difference with this, uh, uh, this group? Obviously, those guys are making their names around. 
Twitter. No, right? I know those two guys. Uh, obviously, I was with Juan. Uh, love him to death. Love him to death. He's uh, when you talk about all gas and character and locker room presence, he's phenomenal. Uh, you know, but um, obviously that's going to be in Joe's world with regards to and and them too. You know, they they're you know that how how it works out for them with contracts and all that. I don't know, but uh, two extremely good players uh, have had a lot of success. Two phenomenal locker room guys. Um, and if it works out, great. If not, uh, you know it, it is what it is. But uh, but you know you're you're always trying to find ways to create an edge and. Um, we got a really cr- cool group of guys all the way across linebackers, our D line. Obviously, we're really excited about it, and uh, you know, adding to it would be great. But if it's not work, we love what we got too. So, two more, uh, two more real quick ones for you, man, and then, then I'll let you get on your way. Um, the first one, uh, Zach Wilson. Obviously, you know, I, I think his rookie year. I know you guys were really excited and happy with the way that that he he was able to eliminate the turnovers towards the end of his year. Uh, improvements, steps forward, things like that, the baby steps. But I, I don't think it's it's there's no groundbreaking news here that you guys are going to go as far as he takes you. You know what I mean? That, that everything you do in the offseason, like you, you need the quarterback to take a step. Joe was speaking to, to ESPN New York not not long ago. He did a radio hit there and, and he had said how he sees greatness in, in Zach and he believes they're great. There's greatness there. What do you see that? Maybe we don't in terms of not not in terms of, oh, you know, it, it looks it looks bad. So, you know, what are you seeing that we don't but behind the scenes, you know, in the meetings room, something like that, that, that makes you believe that this kid's got it, that this kid has the franchise quarterback potential that, as Joe said, there is greatness in him. What do you see that maybe the public doesn't yet uh, that indicates that, that this kid's going to be going to be something special and, and be that guy to take this jump? I, I think when you look at his work, you, no one sees his work ethic. And how hard he's working to 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 get this, and uh, you know, I've said it before. It does not mean the kid uh, struggles mentally. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for a rookie to come into this league, especially with our offense. Even though it's a very quarterback friendly offense, uh, it is hard to understand at first. But once you understand it and you know everything that you need to know about the offense, it becomes a very quarterback friendly offense because you're just playing ball. But you have to get to the point where you're not thinking about when uh, Mike sends in the call, you're not, all right, he has to this, 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 he's going to be here. It's, you already know. And uh, his, so he is working relentlessly to get to that point where he hears the first two words of the call and he finishes the next 20 because he knows exactly what Mike is going to say. That takes time. It really does. And uh, he is working relentlessly to get to that point. And when he does, and I call that football one-on-one, that's the first stage of football. Until he masters that, which is what I alluded to uh, after the season, until he masters that, no one's really going to see the fundamentals and everything that he's he's known for with all the off-platform off, uh, throws, the, the quick release, the accuracy. People will see the ball getting ditched. Like, that's not because he he stinks it's because he's thinking about other things that that don't allow him to focus on his technique his fundamentals and all that stuff and um as soon as he masters that part of it it's, it's no different than going to grad school you master 101 you go to 301 you go to 501 you you graduate and uh same thing for him when he gets that part he'll be able to unlock and there's and there's plays when you watch through the season plays that he had 50 reps in the bank uh, going from OTAs to training camp, and he rep- uh, the 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 one that he gets that keeps coming up is that that throw against Tampa Bay where he he ripped it 
uh, to Keelan Cole right at the one yard line. Yeah. I think it was and all the linebackers. I, we must have ran that play a hundred times between practice and games. And like that is a play where it's like, and I remember vividly, uh, Mike on the headset. All right, Zach, we're going with something that you you're very comfortable with this play. Da 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 da. Uh, you know, it's, so Zach's not thinking and he just lets it rip. And it's that's like a perfect example of when the entire offense is like that for him. That's what he's going to look like. And that's why we believe that, you know, when you look at the work ethic and all that stuff, it takes time. And I know everyone wants to start him right away, but uh, it uh, quarterback position is hard. And it's, uh, but, you know, it's hard, but he's, but, but that's the stuff we see. So, yeah. Last uh, last question I have for you, man, and and I know you're uh, I know you're not going to guarantee playoffs. I know you're not going to going to talk Super Bowl though. If you if you, if you want to, my bosses are going to be very very happy with me. So feel free, stage is yours. But um, what what do you? Because I, I think this is a question that a lot of Jet. I, I know I've seen it sent to me. I know I've seen it emailed to me. I, I know it's been asked of me. Is is you know what's a successful season this year? You know because it's always been next year, next year, next year. It's always baby steps, baby steps. You know, it's it's oh yeah, they won two games and they won four games or, or th- things along that as things of that nature. So when you look at this, you know, what do you or what will you quantify as as a successful 2022 season? Obviously, yes, yeah, Super Bowl playoffs would, would certainly be a, a a successful one. But but what are you looking for to say like, yeah, we 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 did the right thing this year? Right, this is a layup for cliche answer, though. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I, the first the first few you haven't given me one. No, the, the, this one is. Uh... Um, I'll try to explain this one, and it's not going to be the answer you want. It's not going to be the answer anyone. No wants. playoffs. No, no, I'm not. I'm not getting right. a promotion off of this. Everyone, everyone is, and it, we are in a results-oriented business. Win, lose, playoffs, no playoffs, Super Bowl, no Super. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I, I really look at process. Um, like everyone looks at the draft and the result. Um, no one's really talking about the process and how it went before that, like it, we had a successful draft before the draft ever happened because of the way Joe runs the draft and the way everyone communicated, scouts, coaches, the way the organization is moving right now is light years ahead of where it was a year ago. Uh, a successful 2022 will be the process at which we operate during the week and Zach having command of the offense, receivers being precise, O-line, um, the communication on the O-line getting better defensively, not having busts, keeping explosives down. Like there, there's going to be things where you're like, all right, we we are executing and we are really understanding what we need to do now. Shoot, you, it's an oblong ball. It bounces a million ways. You're, you're, we're going to be in some tight games or, and who knows? Uh, we're, we're young. We're trying to figure all this stuff out. But I, I really in my heart believe that the process of this uh, and the way we're doing things in this organization, it, it's it's better than what it's been in a while. And uh and and as long as our process stays the way it is, and as long as we continue to find ways to get better, and everyone's focusing on what they need to, um, I really think we'll have a successful season. I don't know what that looks like result wise, mm-hmm. but um, but like I said, we were successful before, regardless of who we got in the draft. It was it was a successful a preparation period as you could have, and it's going to duplicate uh, results. And you. At the end of the day, you just have to trust that if you if you love your process and you're finding ways to get better, you'll love your result. And um, and at the end of the day, to me, that's what that's that's you know how I'm going to measure stuff. Now, obviously, we it, it still comes down to the bottom line, winning football games and all that stuff. But um, but I know that as a staff, coaches, everybody, players, we're we're doing things 
in a really, really, really efficient way. And guys are really bought in and, and guys are, are really, I mean, they're, it's been great. So anyway, not the greatest answer for you, but. Well, if you ever want to uh, guarantee playoffs or anything like that, you've got my number and we'll make a, uh, we'll, we'll make, we'll make a special, special exception to doing a quick podcast with you. Uh, you guaranteeing the Jets a trip to the playoffs and uh, <laughs> I'll make sure to CC my editor on that one. Uh, uh, man, dude, th- thank you so much for taking the time. I don't want to take up too, too much more of yours. So, um, so thanks so much, man, for coming on. And uh, like I said, we'll have to do this again sometime. For sure. We'll get on the golf course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring the podcast on that one and really, really make fools of ourselves. Uh, we'll be right back with the, uh, the can't wait pot, the rest of the can't wait podcast after this. Good stuff, Connor. Yeah. I had one, I had one intro bring in, bring out. I wasn't going to, uh, you, I, I, you crushed gonna... that Connor. That was awesome. And thanks to coach Sala for joining. That was I don't... so, so awesome. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to like run the risk though there of like, of like having to, to, to throw it to break again. You nailed it. Yeah. I, I feel like I one time like you're done. My... Yep. <laughs> yeah, one and done. I'm not. I'm not gonna put press my luck any more than that. Now he was great. He he mentioned it towards the end, and well, you mentioned that he, he didn't really give us any cliches, which is which is cool because you know sometimes you get a head coach on a podcast like this, and they're just gonna just unleash the cliches. But that was a good interview. What stood out to you, Connor, talking to to Robert? I think it's it's that. The one line that he said, which is is again, we'll we'll see it on the field. I mean, right now it all it all sounds good, it it all it all reads good, it all looks good. But I can tell you that. So I, I've been a part of three or four different regimes because when I first started, it was Rex Ryan and John Idzik, and then after Rex Ryan and John Idzik, we went to um, Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan, and then Todd got fired, and it was very briefly Mike McCagnan and Adam Gase. Then it was Adam Gase and Joe Douglas. And then it became Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. But all throughout that, you had other guys who were ushered in and out. You know, Woody was here, then he was gone. Christopher is here, now Christopher is still more involved. Neil Glatt was here, now Neil is gone. I mean, there were uh, Heimerdinger. Brian Heimerdinger was here, now he's gone. I mean, there were a lot of things happening behind the scenes that fans never knew about. And... There was a lot of things that I found out, you know, when I was younger, I I didn't have the people that I knew within the building to tell me what was going on. But there was a lot of things that were also buried based off of favors and things like that. You know, don't report this, blah, blah, blah. What Robert said about how things are are different this time away, this time around, you know, the exact quote of, of the way we're doing things in the organization is better than the way it's been done in a while. The Jets are operating like a knock wood you know, for the sake of of Jet fans who have endured a a decade plus of misery right now, they're operating like a real competent, well-oiled organization. And, and they're, they're doing things the way that things are supposed to be done, acquiring assets and then using those assets to, to get talent, uh, building through the draft, but building intelligently through the draft where you're using your premium picks on premium positions. And then you're using your later picks on, on not so premium positions. You're, you're, you're drafting a young quarterback and then doing everything in your power to surround him with talent so that I think that I'll be honest with you at the end of this year, I think we'll know if Zach's the answer or not. And then you'll know if you need to go into year three, looking at, okay, well maybe we should bring in somebody to compete with Wilson. You know, you're, you're putting yourself in a position where you've got competence on the coaching staff. You've got competence in the front office. You've got uh, harmony between the coaching staff and the front office that you didn't have when there was Rex and and uh, and John or Todd and Mike or Mike and Adam, you now have legitimate ho- holy matrimony, if you will, 
between the front office and coaching staff and then the players. And, and you've just, you've got a feeling that it is different this time around. You know what I mean? Like it does feel different. It does look different. Now, obviously look, it feels kind of shitty to put all of this on such a young kid, but 99.9% of this is now going to fall on Zach Wilson. Like if Zach's not the answer and if Zach stinks, the jets aren't going to win more than four or five games this year. Like that's just a fact. If Zach is not good, they are not going to win more than four or five games. But if Zach is good, if Zach is everything that Joe Douglas believes he is, and he has the greatness that he alluded to, and he has, and he is the answer like Robert Sala alluded to, and he is the player that Michael floor believes he is. The jets have the chance to, to really turn some heads this year. And next year, we're not talking about seven and 10. We're not talking about, you know, eight and nine. We're talking about 11, 12, 13 wins for this team. And a team that's not only going to make the playoffs, but then make a run in the playoffs. And, and maybe they can compete with the Bills for, for a title because the Bills are going to be paying their quarterback and the Jets are going to still have Zach on that rookie deal and, and be able to really surround him or, in, or surround him with talent in the ways that Buffalo can't necessarily do right now because they've got to pay some of their top tier players. So I think that stood out to me. I, I thought his answer on Brees Hall was really, really interesting in terms of, of why the Jets decided to go out and get him. I loved his quote. Honestly, I, I really... I really, I really did enjoy it. In fact, you know, kind of hearing him say it was, was, was what stood out was that you can't win with small ball, you know, it might work in baseball, but you need home run hitters, you know, and, and the jets didn't have enough of them and they saw a chance to go get hall. And so they went out there and they got hall who was a home run hitter and they're not going to win NFL games playing small ball. And, and I love that quote. So, you know, we, we've obviously got a, a long way to, to transition from paper to, to play and, and paper to on the field, but I think listening to that and, and seeing what the jets did in, in the draft and in free agency, you, there's reason to be optimistic for the first time in a while, but now again, you got to go out there and show it. Yeah, absolutely. The schedule is set though. They know what is in front of them and um, it'll, it'll be fun from here on out through the 2022 season. We'll be here on the can't wait podcast, bringing it all to you. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks to Robert Sala for joining us. Really appreciate the head coach coming on the podcast. Um, good job lining that up, Connor. Uh, if you want to join The Athletic, you can do it for $1 for six months or $1 a month for six months. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. Check out Connor's story about the schedule. Lots of little good tidbits in there as well. Uh, we'll be back with you probably not next week, but the week after. And who knows who might come on the show that next time around. We'll talk to you again soon on The Can't Wait Podcast.